are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host Matt. We are coming to you on November eleventh or November fourth, sorry, of twenty twenty one. Um, a week after we recorded the last uh, last episode, you know, we were going into Atlanta um, with it being a 1-1 series and looking at what Atlanta could do, had a couple bullpen games and everything. Um, so we'll wrap up what the World Series happened or what happened in the World Series. Um, and, but before we get to all of that, um, we have a small, some small little moves happened since the season has ended. Um, we, we'll start, go ahead and jump on with the first one of uh, the Brewers signing reliever Trevor, Trevor Gott to a major league deal. Yeah, so uh, Trevor Gott is a guy who I don't think pitched in the majors this year. Um, I think I read that he was in the minor leagues when he pitched this year. Uh, but he's a guy who, you know, he's been around for a few years. Um, yeah, his last innings in the major leagues were in 2020. Um this year, he pitched in 41 and a two-thirds innings in AAA. He pitched really well in those innings, um, you know, to a, a, a 386 fit. He had a has a really good strikeout rate. Um, in the past, um, he spent time with Washington. Uh, in the big leagues, he spent time with Washington, the, the Los Angeles Angels, and uh, in San Francisco. Um, you know, had a pretty good, pretty good peripherals in 2019. But uh, this just seems to me like a major league minimum signing of a guy who, you know, you're kind of looking at possibly, um, you're kind of look, kind of looking at possibly to, uh, you know, to, to maybe maybe be a guy with where you you like his stuff, you know, like you know whatever for whatever reason, like his spin rates or, you know, his velocity or something, and um, you know you feel like you might be able to fix a little bit. So uh, definitely a, a low risk signing and. Uh, We'll see what uh we'll see how he does with the uh with the Brewers. Yeah, and the Milwaukee's one of those teams that kind of just always find some bullpen pieces um, out of nowhere. So maybe they see something in in Gott and that they can uh, turn into a serviceable major league reliever. But uh, we'll go ahead and jump on to the next part we had, which is a little bit of a bigger move. Kind of surprised me a little bit, but uh, Tucker Barnhart got traded from the Cincinnati Reds to the Detroit Tigers. Yeah, I like this move for Detroit. Um, it's a Really good catcher, a great defensive catcher that they were able to bring in as a um, a guy to kind of help that pitching staff, the, the young pitchers, and Casey Mize, Tariq Scooball, Matt Manning, uh, and others help them kind of learn their way at the big league level. Um, he's, he's a really good game caller. He's a veteran catcher, been around for a long time. Um, you know, he, he's put up pretty decent defensive numbers, um, you know, through the last three years, um, you know, and you've got the, uh, the Cincinnati Reds have Tyler Stevenson waiting in the wings. So it was definitely worth the trade for the, uh, for the Tigers who look like they might try to go make some moves to, to improve their big league club this off season. So, uh, this is be the first of those moves right here. Yeah. And it didn't cost too much. You know, the Tigers traded a 24 year old, um, prospect by the name of Nick Quintana, um, has never played above single A, um, and this year hit 196 with a 329 on base. Um, so maybe they, you know, it's kind of a depth piece. Maybe they can see that they could find something in him. But you know, for a catcher with a, uh, you know, I think he had like a seven and a half million dollar option. It's, you know, you're not going to get much for him anyways. So, yeah, 
But let's talk about the biggest move that's happened, at least. This one actually happened before the season even ended, um, before the World Series, I should say, ended. Um, and that's that the San Diego Padres hired their manager, um, hiring Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin. Hey, this is a really interesting move. Bob Melvin was uh, the manager from o- at Oakland from 2011 to 2021, um, led them to a lot of really uh, big-time um you know, to, to a lot of really big time seasons, especially when you compare the amount of talent on their roster to, to the results that they got, did a great job there. Um, previously to that, he had been the manager of the Arizona Diamondbacks from 05 to 09 and the Seattle Mariners in 03 and 04. Um, and this is a really interesting move that it sounds like basically Bob Melvin was that, 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 that the A's just weren't really willing to pay him what he was going to make there i believe he had an option uh he may have he may they may have just been a mutual um you know we're, i'm gonna you know we don't really want to pay you anymore and okay well i'm easily gonna find another job so i'll leave type thing but um this was a really interesting interesting uh, this is a really interesting move and for san diego you get a guy who's a veteran manager who's been through the grind and has led teams to, to success. And I think that, you know, one thing that is missing from uh, the Padres has been kind of that leader and that, that voice, um, that veteran voice and presence in the clubhouse that, that, uh, that Bob Melvin can bring. Well, and and with Bob Melvin as well. um, So talking back to the A's thing, they're going pretty much into a rebuild. um, And there had been talks, like you said, he had an option, and kind of a thing that he wanted to, you know, be on a winning team. And the Oakland respects him so much. I mean, he's the all-time. I think he's the all-time leading manager and win or wins for a manager with the organization. Um, so it's kind of a good faith thing. They wanted, you know, they want to bring in a younger guy to help with the rebuild that way. Um, and for the Padres, I mean, this is a great hire. Melvin is, I mean, he's got to be what one of the at least top ten managers, if not top five managers in baseball. Um, and he's done a lot in Oakland with less talent than he's going to come in with San Diego. Um, and San Diego has always tried to get those, you know, as of late, they've tried to get those managers that are, you know, the younger guys that don't have managing experience. And that hasn't really worked out. You know, Jace Tingler was, was pretty decent, but he started losing the clubhouse kind of right at the end as they weren't really fulfilling their potential. Um, so Melvin is a big, big hire for the, for the Padres that will, you know, get everything that this team has talent wise out of it for sure. Yeah, and you mentioned the way that, that Jace Tingler lost that clubhouse. To be honest, that is the most important thing for a Major League Baseball manager is that the ability to bring the clubhouse together because, you know, uh, you can put bring in different pitchers and different times and construct your lineup in different ways, but you're on a grind of 162 games plus potentially the postseason when you're talking about a team like the Padres with the talent they have. And when you play that many games – you know, it's really easy to slack off at some at times or to, you know, have a, a rough stretch where your team is just not really gelling well. And sometimes, uh, you know, having that manager, that presence really helps with that. And that's just something that it seems like some of these younger managers aren't able to manage a clubhouse more so than aren't able to manage a, you know, a roster or manage the, you know, the lineups or the, you know, the, everyone's talking about all the analytics of the managers and really, you know, analytics are something that you can use to make decisions. But, you know, as, as a manager, you know, 
you could be a great manager and not even know what you're doing when it comes to that and, and have someone just radio you the analytics and of who to put in the game. It's one of those things where it's such, so much about putting the correct pieces or put and putting the clubhouse together and having everybody upbeat, believing in each other all year and getting along. And that's something that does not seem to have been the case with the Padres. And that's why a team with the talent that they had uh, can completely fall apart in a season like this, like this year was. Yeah, it, they were a team, you know, just from watching them um, all year long, they're a team that early in the season, they had a lot of confidence and they were doing really well. Um, and, you know, and they hit one of those rough stretches and then it kind of seemed like they started turning on each other a little bit. You, we've even seen, you know, Machado and Tatis get into it in the dugout, yelling at each other, saying it's not all about you. It's not all about you. So it definitely was a team that that struggled with that yet camaraderie throughout a season, you know, when you hit those rough patches for sure. Um, but great hire for uh, for the Padres getting Bob Melvin. It was a move that it wasn't even rumored at all. It came kind of out of nowhere, but it's a, a, a great hire for A.J. Preller for sure. Absolutely. But uh, let's go ahead and we'll uh, we'll jump over to the World Series. I know you're uh, you really want to talk about this because your Atlanta Braves ended up winning the World Series this year. Yeah, it, it was super exciting. Um, a huge deal for, you know, for, for so many people. Um, I, you know, the first thing is that um, just the kind of the relief of, of the Braves winning because, you know, they, the drought that they had wasn't like a, a historic drought. It wasn't like, you know, the Cubs 108 years or the, you know, the Red Sox 80 plus years or, or the White Sox, that kind of drought. But the fact that they had been there so many times in the World Series or in the, you know, in the playoffs without getting there and, you know, all the postseason collapses they've had, they've had uh, since, since 1995, they've been to the World Series twice and they've been to the playoffs, I think about 12 times since then and have not won the World Series. And it was one, it was just a, a lot of relief, especially for, you know, and, and I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge Braves fan, but, you know, I'm not just a, you know, I'm not a Falcons fan, but for a lot of Atlanta people uh, who are just a fan of all the Atlanta teams, uh, after what happened with the Falcons a few years ago and blowing their lead, I mean, Atlanta, the city of Atlanta hadn't won a championship since the last time the Braves won in '95. So, you know, really that was that was a really big deal for the, um, you know, for the Braves to win that, and um, you know, for the city and everything, and it's just. It's one of those things of all teams to win it this year with the amount of players and pieces that that team lost uh, throughout the season. It was pretty remarkable that for of, of all years for, for this to be the year the Braves were able to get it done after all those good teams couldn't. Yeah, and especially I sent the thing earlier that I found, which just made it feel a little bit uh, a little bit better. And we'll, we'll break down each game of how it went um, here in a little bit. But uh, just a little touching thing that, you know, it, story – Stories in sports just kind of write themselves sometimes. Um, and, you know, usually when you see a tragedy happen in some place, a team goes on a run because they're, you know, by this, they're fueled by the city and the, they want to bring them together or whatever. For the Braves this year, they won 44 games in the, before the All-Star break. They won 44 games after the All-Star break. And they won the World Series in the 44th week of 2021. And of course, the number 44 means so much to that Atlanta Braves organization because of Hank Aaron, who unfortunately passed away this year. But it's just like how that number 44, you know, connects to everything the Braves have did this season. It just it makes the story even that much better. 
Yeah, and, and one other 44, the the executive of the year, most likely in the in the uh, National League was, um, you know, is is gonna probably gonna be Alex Anthopoulos, and he's 44 years old, so it's just another another 44 on there. But um, you know, it was it's it's really it was really special for for that to be the case, and you know, it was really cool to see it with the, the with the Braves they had at Game Three in Atlanta, uh, which was the first home game for the Braves in the series. They had a really touching tribute to Hank Aaron. And his, um, you know, his widow was was there, Billy Billy Aaron, um, on the field before the game, and um, they honored her. And uh, you know, the Braves all year have had number forty four uh, cut into the outfield, and um, you know that was really cool that you know they were able to play the World Series and, and win. And obviously, they didn't clinch at home, but to win win the World Series with with that number on the field, it was definitely a special thing for for Braves fans and and for a lot of baseball people in general because Hank Aaron meant a lot to everybody and, and not just people in Atlanta so he was he was a very important um important piece to um you know for the Braves and and people are also forgetting that um you know the Braves also lost Phil Necro this year too um so you know obviously Hank Aaron was was the you know bigger icon but but Phil Necro was another big big Atlanta Braves legend that uh the, that that was lost this year so um it was one of those things that was really cool to you know f- to to you know kind of win it win it for them for uh for the Braves but yeah well let's go ahead and jump into breaking this series um down from game three on um you know it was game three first game in Atlanta um game kind of started off it was pretty decent um zero zero through the first zero zero through the second Held the Astros, didn't score in the third, and then Atlanta scored the first run in the th- uh, bottom of the third inning. Yeah, Atlanta, um, Atlanta in that game able to manufacture a run. Um, you know, one thing that the Braves this season did was, you know, they just hit home runs all year. I mean, they were just a, a home run. They were a slugging team. They were, I believe, third in the big leagues in home runs, um, and that was that was really important for the Braves, of course, uh, but, but sometimes in these world series games against good pitching, um, you, it's tough to just win off of, to just win off of home runs. And, um, you know, I think it was a big deal in that game for the Braves to be able to, um, you know, to manufacture that run in in the, in the, uh, bottom of the third, um, you know, I think Eddie Rosario and was a large part of that. And then Austin Riley got the hit, maybe, or yeah, it was I'm not a Riley doubled down the third baseline. Yeah, so um, that was a big deal in that game, and um, and and then you know to support what was becoming a special outing for the Braves pitching staff. Yeah, it, Ian Anderson started this game, and I think he was he got pulled after the fifth, but he had a no hitter through five innings. Um, of this and they did they allow a hit it was in the seventh is when they allowed their first hit they allowed their first hit in the eighth inning in the eighth inning okay, um, so yeah so so it wasn't it wasn't a perfect pitching uh it wasn't a perfect outing but by, by the pitchers the braves uh ian anderson walked three guys i think he also hit correa with a breaking ball um so you know he was a little bit shaky his pitch count was getting up there so they pulled him in the fifth inning and put in aj mentor uh, who, who pitched great, and then in the um, and then Luke Jackson pitched a clean inning, but then in the eighth inning, of all people to give up the no hitter was Tyler Matzik, but it was a pop up that dropped between 
Dansby Swanson and uh, and Eddie Rosario that really should have been caught, but I think and it should have been caught by Rosario, but I think uh, Dansby Swanson kind of ran out there and distracted him, and he wasn't sure if Dansby was gonna call, try to catch it. They they didn't want to collide with him. And that's what kind of cost them the cost them the no hitter. But I believe it was the longest no hit bid in many years, maybe since like since like the early '60s or something. Um, so, which was pretty crazy uh, against the, a team like the Astros. That was such a great offensive team. Yeah, and so you know, like you said, Ledmus Diaz got that hit off of Matt Sick in the eighth, um, and then they got out of the rest of that inning. Uh, and then in the bottom of the eighth, uh, Travis Darno gave the Braves another run with a home run off Kendall Graveman um, to center field, um, and pretty much just did you know lock that game away because the Astros had you know no offensive. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? They had a no offensive uh, game plan really in that game. They were just kind of swinging at everything, so. They only got two hits that game. Braves ended up winning that one two uh, two nothing, taking a two one lead in the series. Um, and then we go to game four where the Astros get an early run right in the first inning. Yeah, so game four um, was for, for, was always going to be a bullpen game uh, for the Braves. They had um, you know they had their top three lined up to start the series and Charlie Morton, Max Fried, Ian Anderson. But then game four. You just didn't know what was what was going to happen. So the Braves, what they decided to do was to start a lefty um, in Dylan Lee and to bring in Kyle Wright, who is an embattled righty that, that has pitched in the big leagues a decent amount over the last couple of years, but really struggled at times. And, um, you know, he's the guy who gave up the 10 run first inning last year to the to the Dodgers in the championship series. And he um he had really been it had really been a struggle for him and in the big leagues this year he was awful in his very minimal work he got this year but he went back down to triple a and pitched pretty well for the second half of the season it kind of kept getting better made some adjustments um, you know kind of started throwing a new curveball and stuff and it's looked a lot better so um, he got pulled up when when charlie morton went down with the injury he got he was the guy that got the got the call up to the to be on the world series roster and Boy, did it pay off because Dylan Lee was all over the place in the first inning. I mean, he was, I think he walked two guys, gave up a hit to, uh, you know, gave up a run early, only got one out. And then Kyle Wright came in and he just, uh, you know, he just mowed him down. Yeah, Kyle Wright looked really good in that, um, in his uh, his game. So in his four and two thirds, he had, I think the only run he gave up was a home run to Altuve, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, um, he did have three strikeouts, um, three walks. But I mean, coming into that situation, especially after you know you had said his poor performance last year um, in the playoffs, not really p- pitching much in the major leagues this year, and to come in a big spot like that in the World Series game and give a, you know your team four and two thirds innings of one run baseball, that's that's pretty huge. And then turn it over to that bullpen of you know uh, Martin, Matzik, Jackson, and Smith to kind of help seal the deal off in this one. Yeah, so um, that was such a big deal for, for Kyle Wright. And then, uh, you know, the Astros were up uh, two to nothing. And, um, you know, the, the thing that the Braves did in this game that made I was really, really happy with, and the reason they won the game is because instead of punting this game by putting in one of your long relievers when you're down by two runs late, the Braves went with, said, okay, this is the World Series. This is a must-win game. 
we're going to throw our best guys. And, you know, Chris Martin did come in and throw an inning who hadn't really been one of the Braves' best guys. But Tyler Matzik came in with a down by two runs. And that was something that showed to me that the, that the Braves were really, really, really wanting this game. And um, it paid off because Tyler Matzik pitched a clean inning and the Braves got a rally going with uh, a, an RBI double from Austin Riley. Um, and uh, to, 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 to get within one run. And then in the bottom of the, in the bottom of the seventh inning, um, they caught a, you know, a magical, magical inning with, with a home run from off a, off a, uh, Christian Javier, who had been pretty much untouchable in the postseason so far, um, Dansby Swanson hit an opposite field home run after really not looking good at all the whole series. He had completely, completely lost at the plate. And then right after that, very next hitter, Jorge Soler, uh, who we, we will hear some, hear, who we'll hear from some more, hit a, um, you know, hit a, hit a hit a go ahead home run and on just a line shot to left field. So. It was a uh, very, very big moment. Of course, with the you know playing in, in Atlanta with the home crowd and everything, it was it was really, really cool, and the place was absolutely insane the atmosphere. And uh, you know, it was really fun to um, it was really fun to see. And uh, it was funny. I was I actually wasn't able to watch this game. I was on my well until the very, very end. I was on my way back. Uh, I was walking to my truck from the from the Auburn game, and uh, you could hear people yelling when when Swanson hit his home run because people were still watching it at tailgates after the Auburn game so I was thought that was pretty cool but um but yeah Jorge Soler uh put the Braves in front and then uh Luke Jackson and, and Will Smith came up big yeah so the Braves are able to finish that game off three to two um take a three one lead in the series um and set up a game at home for game five again with a chance to clinch the series um, and the game started really hot for the uh, for the Atlanta Braves. They ended up getting a grand slam in the first inning from Adam Duvall. Uh, I believe it was like I think Soler singled, um, Riley singled, and then uh, Eddie Rosario walked. Adam Duvall hit a, a massive shot to right field. It was uh, off the bat. I thought it was over the chop house even, but it I think it came in front of that one. But um, you know the the Astros fought back and in the, the top of the second they got a couple runs themselves yeah and, and this was a game that um you know the astros fought back the braves this was this was the charlie morton game that that they needed um they were hoping that charlie morton would pitch game five after pitching game one um and and with his injury um you know that really hurt the the braves in, in this game because you were kind of down to a replacement and the replacement ended up being Tucker Davidson, who had not pitched in the big league since June. Um, and, and for different reason from, from Kyle Wright, Tucker Davidson had battled a forearm injury uh, for you know most of the season. He had just gotten, gotten back from it. So um, it was definitely a struggle for him. He, he did pitch a clean top of the first, but after that, you know, the second inning and third inning were really a struggle. I was really surprised the Braves brought him back in the third inning after giving up two runs in the second inning. Um, but um, you know, he really struggled and couldn't could control the couldn't control the ball, couldn't throw strikes. And uh, by the time he was he was out, um, and, and and Jesse Chavez came in and cl- and cleaned up the the fourth the third inning, but. You know the runs that were on base scored, and uh, and the Astros tied the game up at four. Yeah, so the Astros tied the game up in four, right in the third, um, and then in the bottom of the third, the Braves come back and get a home run from Freddie Freeman, 
I believe is that what the one that was hit like four hundred and like eighty yes. feet or something like it was that. Four, it was four. It was four sixty, but it was I believe it was the longest home run it hit in the World Series in the Statcast era. Yeah, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, it was something I, like that. I would believe it. It was a a moonshot. Um, so the Braves took the lead again, five four right there. And then in the top of the fifth is when the Astros kind of really got the game open. Uh, they got a single from Correa to start it off, and then Gurriel singled. Um, they intentionally walked Bregman to load the bases, and then Mal- uh, Martin Maldonado off of AJ Minter got a walk to bring in a run, and then Marwin Gonzalez singled to left field to give them another uh, to give them two more runs. Yeah, and this was a interesting. Uh, situation because AJ Minter had been incredible in the postseason and sometimes and Martin Maldonado went to the plate and he wasn't even trying to get a hit he was just trying to get on base with a walker hit by pitch he literally stood like basically right on top of the plate as close as far as he could forward in the ba- or to the toward the plate in the batter's box uh, without without it being without him being out of the batter's box and basically trying to get hit by the pitch. And um, I think the first pitch that, that that Minter threw was a little bit inside off the plate, and it almost hit him just because he was so close to the plate. And I think it might have freaked Minter out just a little bit, and he lost his command. And when he lost his command, he you know he 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 walked Maldonado. It's it's one of those things. I think it just kind of freaked him out. And then Marwin Gonzalez hit a good pitch, and he just hit a pop up into left field that that was that dropped. It was you know just one of those. Uh, blooper hits. There wasn't really anything you could do about it if you were the Braves. He just got a, you know, kind of a lucky hit. But, um, but the Astros took the lead seven to five in, in that sequence, and they held on to that lead the rest of the game. They they added a couple more, which I was really disappointed in the Braves at the time because of the the, the upcoming off day that they had on Monday. Uh, the Braves really punted this game. They put in T- Drew Smiley, who has really had a rough season, especially in the second half. They, they put Drew Smiley in to kind of mop up uh, down by two runs, and it was almost like punting a two-run game, but, uh, you know, where you could have possibly, you know, gotten a bloop and a blast to tie the game up if you had kept it at, at a two-run deficit with, you know, with, with your top relievers coming in. But um, turns out uh, turns out it didn't matter in the end, but I, I thought this was a really poorly managed game from the, from the Braves' standpoint. Well, yeah, especially after we were just talking about earlier in the in the series that they were down, or I think it was just the last game before this that they were down by two runs, and then they you know, pitched their big three, um, and the Braves got right back in it and took the lead and won that game. So, you know, I guess for the back to back days, you don't really want to pitch them three days in a row, but he just did say they do have an off day the next day. Um, but Smiley did give up two more runs in the seventh and the eight, or one in the seventh, one in the eighth to give the Astros this game nine to five. Um, and ha- they had the off day Monday and then Tuesday they were back in Houston for game six. Um, and it was a, a, a pretty good game overall. If you're a Braves fan, if you're an Astros fan, not so much, but uh, the big story of this game, I know the Braves are, are you know, we're going to talk about how their offense, but it was Max Freed. He looked back to the Max Freed level that we have seen, you know, the past couple of years before the, he'd kind of struggled so far in the playoffs. Yeah. So, so the thing about Max Freed and I was, I remember I was watching the, the day of the game. I was, um, I was scrolling through Twitter and I found a, I forgot who, who was interviewing him, but it was Matt Diaz, who was a former brave uh, back in the, in the late two thousands. And they were, they were talking to him about Max Freed and what he expected. And, and he was talking about uh, uh, Max Freed, 
tipping his pitches in game two. And basically what he was doing, he picked up on it, and, he, and you could go back and watch it. And you could figure out he was he was basically flaring his glove different on his um, on his off speed than he was on his fastball. So you could call what pitch was coming because he was just, you know he was flaring his glove different. He was he was tipping it, and basically that's how the Astros were hitting some of those pitches because Max Fried's stuff in Game Two looked incredible. I mean his velocity was up, his slider was really good, his curveball was its normal shape and and then he you know he was throwing but he was getting hit off the plate i mean they were they were hitting the ball when it was you know a foot off the plate you know consistently and it was really uh you know it was really worrisome for the braves and you're wondering what was going on there and uh after that that second inning where he gave up five runs uh he was dominant for the rest of that outing you know the next three innings he really didn't give up anything so when you get back to game six um you know he had uh, apparently he had figured out that that pitch tip and to stop doing it, and then you kind of saw, you know, the real Max Freed and what he can do. And what he can do is shut down any lineup in, you know, in the big leagues at, at you know, when he's up. I mean, he's really good. He's got, he's got three spectacular pitches, and then his changeup was really a key in that game on uh, on Tuesday. He was throwing his changeup a lot more than normal, and it looked good. So he's a guy that, um, you know, is really a, you know, a potential. And he's still getting better and better, but he, he's really a guy that's a potential ace in the big leagues and play, pitched a phenomenal game six. Yeah, and I think we also even saw him, if I'm not mistaken, he had his highest velocity he's ever hit in his career. Um, with, was it 98 miles an hour or something like that? Um, yeah, he, had, he hit 98, 98.4, yeah. in the, which was the fastest pitch of his career. So there's that. Um, but Max Fried looked really, really good. Uh, we'll we'll jump over to the uh, to the offense now because the offense really got started in the top of the third inning. It was zero zero all the way up until it. Uh, Ozzy Albies got a single off of Luis Garcia to start the inning. Uh, Darno flied out. Swanson flied out. Eddie Rosario walks. So you had a, a guy on first and second with two outs, and then Jorge Soler comes and hits a three run home run off Luis Garcia. Yeah, and that was just a great at bat by Soler. Um... I think that uh, the, the the key to me in that sequence was that, that Ozzy Albies had struggled so much in the playoffs, and particularly in the World Series, and uh, and from the left side of the plate. And they moved him down the lineup, kind of, you know, was really upset with the way that he was approaching things at the plate. And, um, you know, he settled down, and he was more patient, and he was able to, you know, line a two-strike pitch with a, with a much better approach than he had been having into right center field for a base hit. And that's really where that, that got started because once they got back around to, uh, you know, Rosario had a really good at bat, drew a walk. And, you know, you get to Jorge Soler, who's, who's been, um, you know, who's been really hot and, um, and he just put up a great at bat, you know, fouled off a bunch of pitches, um, you know, and then, you know, eventually if you foul off enough sliders and then they keep throwing sliders and they hang one, I mean, there's nobody I'd rather have at the plate against the a hanging breaking ball after seeing three or four of them than Jorge Soler. That, that guy is just as powerful as they get. And uh, he hit it out of the, not just over the wall, but out of the ballpark. I mean, it was an absolute missile. And it was one of the biggest uh, pimp jobs of all time as well. That Cause that was pretty awesome. The way he, through the yeah, bat and turned was, around. Yeah, he was out. he yeah, he he knew it and it was um it was one of those that um you know, it was it was a great moment for the Braves and, and for Jorge Soler and it was one of those kind of 
back-breaking moments in a postseason game because, you know, playing in Houston, the crowd is just absolutely going crazy with two outs. You, you get them to a two-strike count, and, um, you know, it's one of those moments where, the, you know, they, you see all the towels waving and everything, and then it's just silent from the Astros crowd in, in, uh, in Houston. And, you know, it's one of those moments that can really affect a big postseason game like that, more so than you would see in maybe a regular season game. Yeah, it really is. It take that that away crowd out of it, and they're uh, you know it'll really hurt the team. But the the big I think the big blows to that is you know the Astros that already came back in the series from four down four uh, four nothing before just a couple games before this, or I think it was the game before this actually. So yeah, you know was. they uh the I think the big inning for the Braves at least in this series was or in this game was uh, the fifth inning when I think it was Swanson hit a home run off Christian Javier again. Um, that scored Ozzy Albies, and then they brought in uh, Blake Taylor to you know try and uh, clean up that inning, and he ended up giving up a home run to Freddie or a double to Freddie Freeman, sorry, to score Jorge Soler, um, and you know that really gave the Braves that six nothing lead in the fifth inning. It kind of took everything out of it, and then the you know the one just to cap everything off, which I think is the kind of feel good moment, is Freddie Freeman in the seventh hit a solo home run. At that point, I think everyone kind of knows that it's most likely over. And then just the look that Freeman has rounding the bases with his family. He says he sees them jumping up and down and, and the smile that he has on his face. That had to be, had to be one of the uh, the coolest moments, at least for you as a Braves fan. And everything that Freddie Freeman means to that team to, to see in that moment. Yeah, it was so cool. And, um, you know, one thing is, for, for whatever reason, Freddie Freeman's been scrutinized about his ability to um, – about his ability to, to, to hit in the postseason, And um, this year he really came through uh, and, and mainly in getting that clutch hit. And, you know, he got that clutch hit in the, in the series against the Brewers and outside of the first two games of the Dodgers series, Freddie Freeman was absolutely on fire in the, in the postseason. And, um, you know, last night or on, on Tuesday night, he, um, you know, that was such a big deal to, for him and, and to be able to hit that home run and um, you know, it was really the dagger because even, you know, even in a six to nothing game, you know, the Braves as a Braves fan, after all the collapses and postseason trauma, and especially against an offense as explosive as the Astros, you still are, you're still nervous, you know, but then when you, when Freddie hit the home run, you were just like, you know, this is, you know, you, you really, it really felt, felt a lot better. You know, it felt good. He felt good about it at seven to nothing. So, uh, it was a great, uh, you know, a great game for the Braves. Um, you know, I, I grew up a Braves fan and, you know, I live in Alabama and I think that not, I don't think too many people understand how large the Braves, not it, it, it just geographically, not necessarily in population, but just geographically how large the Braves fan base is because of, you know, really the Braves are the team, the only team in the South, and, and, you know, up until, you know, the nineties when the Marlins and the Rays were put in, you know, were, were created in Florida. Um, you know, the Braves were kind of the team of the, the Southeast for forever. And, um, you know, that, that, that home run and there's that game meant so much to a lot of people, you know, in, in the Southeast. And it was really cool. So. Yeah. And you could really hear that in like Dancy Swanson's voice after the, after the series was over, he's a kid who would, you know, grew up right close to Atlanta, um, you know, grew up a Braves fan and then to play there his entire career, you know, he, he kind of was breaking down emotional that, 
the what it meant to you know not just the team but to the to the fan base and to Atlanta itself after all the heartbreaks you had talked about through all, all their sports teams. Um, so it was good to it was good to see that you know congratulations to you for the for the Braves you know winning their first World Series um, in a long time and now we uh now we get to move on to uh you know kind of looking what the season overall looked like in the in the game of baseball and kind of what we're looking forward to in this off season. Yeah, I, so so just to start off this season, um, I, I think this season was was fantastic for baseball because. Um, for for one thing that the, that baseball really led the way to, to fans getting back in the stands after the you know well not to say after the COVID, the coronavirus pandemic because it you know it still is ongoing but um, it really kind of led the charge of getting fans back into the stands you know and being able to live with that and, and have fans in the stands and um, you know that started early in the season you know you had the Rangers uh, with their full crowd and the you know in the opening weekend and then you know, other teams started to follow suit early on. Um, and, and eventually everybody, except I don't know if the Blue Jays ever got that full capacity. I, I think they did, but I, I'm not sure. Um, you know, but, the, but of course that being a little different because they're in Canada and they have different rules, but um, I, I, it was so important. And I think there was a lot of good things done in baseball this year. I think that, you know, you kind of look at some of the, um, you know, some of the moments you look at the, the field of dreams game, uh, was a really big deal for baseball because there really was a, a much bigger regular season game than we've had in a long time. You know, nobody really had watched or, or nobody really paid it that much attention to, to, to a lot of big national broadcasts in the regular season. Uh, and, and that was one that a lot of people watched. Um, you know, you had, um, and it was, and it was obviously a great game as well. Um, the postseason drew enormous TV ratings, which uh, was really cool to see because I think that last year people were a little bit upset with the TV ratings that were drawn by baseball because, you know, there people weren't out and about doing a lot of things last year with, you know, kind of being stuck at home with the pandemic. And it was tough because, you know, a lot of what you could do was just watch sports and nobody was really watching it. People were really kind of upset about it. And, uh, you know, I think that, that that that's something that really turned around this year. I think they said the TV numbers were up 10 to 15 percent uh, in the postseason, which is really, really, really great. And and that being, I think some of it was over 20, 2019 as well. But um, but it was it was a really fun season in baseball. Um, we saw a record number of no hitters, which was interesting. Um, you know, I think that there was some good dialogue on the rule changes and stuff that, that, that possibly to come. Um you know, uh, some of the bad things that you hated to see as many injuries as we saw this year. Um, a lot of star players got hurt. You know, uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. missing most of the season. Mike Trout missed most of the season. Um, you had a couple of the Dodgers stars injured for a lot of the season. Um, it was it wasn't good to see so many so many players get hurt. Steven Strasburg's another guy. Um, you know, injured for most of the season. So. Um, you know, that, that kind of sucked to see, but overall, I think this was a great year for baseball. And I think that, you know, if, if the right, if the correct moves are made, especially with the upcoming collective bargaining agreement, hopefully that gets done quick. Cause I think baseball is building a little bit of momentum going forward. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing going forward is, is, you know, the marketing of the sport and, and for the, the, the players and the, you know, the players in the, uh, 
and the owners to agree and, and not get in each other's way of, of this, of you know, the future of baseball. Because I think that after the little bit of the momentum that's gained this year, if you start, have a work stoppage and you miss the start of next year, that's going to take all the good stuff that happened in baseball this year and throw it out the window. So um, hopefully that co- we come to an agreement pretty early. And, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really excited with how the season went, obviously, as a Braves fan. Uh, you know, it was a great story to, to have the Braves win with, with the way that the season went for them. And, um, you know, I couldn't be more excited about that. But uh, good year for baseball in general. Yeah, it really was a, a real bounce back year for baseball. Like you said, a lot of the numbers with being down um, and just the uh, everything that kind of had happened last year with a lot of fans were upset with the way the expanded playoffs were going and, and a bunch of stuff just last year didn't you know, it didn't feel right to a lot of people. It wasn't a normal season, um, even, you know, with the 60 games and the, the dispute between the players and the commissioner and then the owners of how many games you were going to get and how many, you know, wanting to push stuff back. And at times, even thinking that the season was going to be canceled, um, you know, to come back this year, be able to have a full 162 game season, to have like a normal playoff system back where, you know, it's, it's the one wild card game like they all want. It's the, you know, all the drama you can have, the, the stands are packed again. And to have that back to normal per se, it just, you know, it was like a healing moment for, for everybody. And you can't go into having that one season after 2020 coming back 2021, being so strong and then have a work stoppage at the end of 20, or, you know, at the end of 2021, looking to 2022. So it's very vital that, you know, they get a, get a deal done really soon like you said you know there's talks that if it's not within the next month they could have a labor um, you know labor strike and stuff but but we'll talk about that more as that get, happens but like you said the season was it was an amazing season it returned to normal for everybody it sucked that so many injuries happened but we kind of expected that honestly coming into the year everybody said going from a, from 60 games back to 162 games every single day it was going to cause more soft tissue injuries. It was just, it was going to cause more arm issues for pitchers. Um, you know, and then we had the crackdown on the sticky substances or whatever that, you know, might be attributing itself to more arm issues for pitchers. It was, you know, we've heard with Tyler Glass now saying that was a case um, with his injury. But uh, overall, it was a really, really great season for baseball in general, the numbers are back, there's momentum and they just have to make sure that they keep making the right changes and that we don't get into some, you know, who's the bigger man scenario this off season between the players and the, uh, and the, the commissioner and, and owners. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, going forward into the off season, we're going to have some really exciting, uh, you know, some really exciting stuff going on, um, big free agent class and, um, you know, so several pretty, pretty lo- high profile players, possibly being on the, you know, kind of on the trading block. And um, it's going to be a very interesting and wild offseason, especially uh, with, with all the short stops, um, you know, in this year's class with Baez, Correa, Seager, and and, and Story, Ooh, and others, Simeon. Yeah, there's so many good short stops in this year's class. And it, it's going to be really interesting to see how that sh- shakes out. And, uh, and then, you know, obviously you got other guys. You got, you know, the, the you know, Freddie Freeman, who I think, most people are expecting to return to the Braves, but it's, you know, it's not a, it's not a sure thing. He's, he's, he's currently a free agent right now. And you got, uh, you got so many Kenley Jansen, Clay Kershaw, Max Scherzer, uh, you know, 
just there's just so many free top high profile free agents and you hope that this year you know that that work stoppage and, and stuff doesn't kill the free agent class and um and really hurt things but uh definitely going to be a very interesting off season um i'm sure we'll we'll preview it here at some point in the next week or two and uh with our one of our next episodes and uh we'll definitely have some um we're gonna have some uh you know some awards at some point that we'll be talking about and uh and some of those deadlines are coming up soon. I mean, you got the the non-tender deadline, I believe, is is what uh, December second, um, and then you've got the um, you, you know we got the options and the qualifying offer deadlines here in the next week. So uh, definitely very 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 interesting to look at. Uh, you know, you might also see some free agents sign early, uh, but uh, excited very exciting season for. Um, for major league baseball and uh you know hopefully hopefully things go smoothly in the off season with the with the cba and we'll get right back to it here in just a few months yeah i wouldn't be shocked at all to see some players sign early to just get that out of the way and not have to worry about if there is a lockout and then whenever that lockout comes back trying to find a deal before spring training so i wouldn't actually be surprised that if we had a uh you know a quick moving free agent market right away um but uh, you know, also we have a, a name change that's happening. So now the the Indians are now officially the Cleveland Guardians. Um, so that's going to be something we're going to have to get used to. Um, but like you said, qualifying offer deadline Sunday, um, I I believe, and the option deadlines the next couple days. So we'll have a ton of information to fill you guys in on next week, and we'll get on a more consistent uploading schedule. I know we've been bouncing between Tuesdays and Wednesdays and thursdays and mondays some days so we'll get back on our normal schedule of tuesdays it's just with the postseason and both of us having teams that are going deep in the postseason we want to be able to watch those games and, and watch as many games as we can and, and bring you guys enough information um, up to date but we'll get on a more consistent schedule for that for sure but uh, you got anything else you want to wrap up on real quick i uh, don't think so um just uh you know obviously thrilled for for the the way that the season turned out for my for my braves and um super exciting and hopefully they're up there for years to come uh they they should have a, a really good opportunity to return here in the next few years and uh you know i think um it, it's very you know it's just very exciting for me and and for you know my fellow braves fans i'm i'm i think it's uh you know, it's it's just it's just so cool to to be in this you know be in the position of of being the World Series champions in the season. So we get it. The Braves won that. Hey, I could be gloating worse than I than I have been. So, <laughs> but all right. Well, thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the Bat Flip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Mm-hmm.